Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of my podcast. Uh, we have a special guest today all the way from Australia. Uh, we have Chris Beasley of Bastardizer. Hi Chris. <laughs> hey, Chana, Chana, Chana. How are you buddy? Yeah. So, old mate 666, right? <laughs> old mate, that's it. Old mates, old mates talking old mates. Mate, you've grown a beard and I've lost one. What happened there? <laughs> Yeah, because we are just stuck at home, so you know, no point of shaving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck at home and I shaved it. I know. <laughs> it's all good. You got a beer? Yeah. Cheers, man. Cheers, buddy. Hmm. So. All so, right. Yeah. So, Chris, what what's happening with uh, all this uh, lockdown and everything? How how what you've been doing? Ah, uh, since the lockdown. Let's see. Uh, bought a house, so that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah. What else did we do? Let's see. I, 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 my work hasn't changed. Like, I'm still going to work and everything. But uh, obviously, you know, with kids and stuff, you know, like, school is just insane. Um, it's a crazy time of the world. Like, I haven't seen my band in about four months now because there's nowhere to rehearse. Right. Like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Like, we had a lot of shows coming up and we were supposed to, like, really get into the studio and just nail album number three but it's a bit delayed but we promise it will be amazing can i swear on this yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will be fucking amazing and uh yeah no it'll uh yeah no but yeah it's just crazy like i haven't seen any of my friends uh my wedding got cancelled i was supposed to get married like what three 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 weeks ago or something Right. So I don't know if that I don't know if that was Satan saying, "Hey, man, you should probably shouldn't get married," you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's sort of getting a little bit normal now in Australia, um, where we live in New South Wales, which you have been to. Like we're doing pretty good, but uh, Melbourne's had a an increase in in uh, you know in infected people, and uh, yeah, no, it's still crazy. But the fact that can't like internationally tour anywhere that's crazy like there's no gigs no bands no venues crazy it's all it's all crazy yeah yeah i think How's it going over there um same thing uh, right now it's kind of getting east uh, some places are getting open uh, our, even our office i was able to go to the office like a couple of days yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah i think music industry itself is like mainly the metal that a lot of the bands were the mainly affected from this crisis, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, has your traffic improved? <laughs> yeah, actually, because there's nobody on the road. Yeah, because there's no one driving. I'll actually, I'll come there now. That'll be great. Because they actually <laughs> shut down all the public transport during the lockdown. Yep. So we had to walk. I was like just walking to the supermarket and stuff. So that's it. So <laughs> Yeah, Australia, Australia hasn't actually gone into full lockdown yet. So that's, that's one thing. Like we've still been able to do a couple of things. Just a lot of things closed down, obviously. Mm. But um, bars are opening up again. But I think you just have to go and have dinner and then get a meal. Like, you know, get a meal, get a drink sort of thing it's all very like so i haven't gone out drinking or anything like that it's it's i'm actually getting really healthy doing this you know <laughs> uh, i've been exercising a lot yeah i've been that's that's one thing you know i've been yeah like today i've done uh six kilometers and uh yeah just smashing it now i'm having a couple of beers with my buddy so what what sort of work workouts do you do uh so i work in a warehouse so i do forklift driving 
And uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's pretty much what I do. But um, so obviously my, my work didn't stop at all. It actually got even crazier. So I was mm-hmm. working like double time, a lot of hours, a lot of overtime, a lot of money. It's good. You know, <laughs> it's good when I don't have to say to the boss, hey, mate, I need uh, three weeks off and go to the Philippines, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Pete, uh, I, th- I first saw you guys bastardizer uh, in 2016. Uh, in- I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you remember the year because, man, I was pretty drunk that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Valba, right? Uh, I, I think it's called Valba. Or yeah. as we call it, the Valve Arena. Right. <laughs> and it was like a basement bar and then uh, yes you guys play with like my plague and then murder world and all the other couple of bands oh right? wow yeah yeah okay yeah they um murder world are finished but uh the plague is still going they're still they're going very strong at the moment right uh we've got we've got a show with them in december maybe <laughs> uh who knows yeah we're supposed to be playing with abigail from japan which Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, so uh, who knows? Unless they're coming here by a boat or something, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it, who knows? Yeah. Actually, But, that's... Uh, yeah, no, I remember. I do remember meeting you at the Valve Arena. You know, that place holds, what, 20,000 people? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, that's one of the venues that is closed down now, actually. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, do, you know, do you know the band Midnight from America? No. No. So they're like one of the biggest black thrash bands at the moment. And uh, they played there with us. And the drummer or the guitarist said to me, this is the worst venue I've ever played in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> But we loved it. You know, it's like, yeah, it was basement. It just, you know, it smelled like a toilet. It was, uh, yeah, it was great. It was hot and sweaty. It was fun. You know, it was good. It was good. Yeah, actually, when I, when I went to that show, I was uh the the crowd was like you know i was like wearing a hat and stuff so then uh i i got a bit nervous because the the guys were like taking my hat off putting it back on and i thought like you know <laughs> i don't know if i'm going to get beat up or what but <laughs> then uh, it was just all for fun because everyone's just enjoying <laughs> going wild yeah no nah, there's no there's no fights in the metal scene in australia which is good you know mm, everyone's yeah. I mean, you do get those idiots, you know, those whole, oh, you're a poser or you're a poser, you know, like, you know, that's cool, whatever. I'm the biggest poser in the world. I used to be in a glam rock band, for God's sakes. Like, yeah, so <laughs> fuck off, man. I don't give a shit, you know. Go home, listen to Exodus. I don't care. I don't like Exodus. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, yeah. Uh, tell yeah, me. Mate. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your childhood growing up uh, and then uh, how did you discover the metal? Yep. So, uh, so I started out, uh, you know, you know, a small little town, pretty, you know, it's pretty rough, but yeah, just growing up. But uh, let me think, like, how I started with music. I was five years old when I heard Kiss's Tears Are Falling. I saw right. the video clip on like, sat, it was like a, a thing down here called Rage. Just like a, it just plays all music videos and all that sort of things on a Saturday morning. It's still, it's still on now. Mm. Uh, yeah, but it was Tears Are Falling and I just like absolutely just fell in love with rock. Like, yeah, like that was just, oh, wow, this is cool. And uh, like through that, through that show and through a show called Countdown and stuff, like they had all the glam bands because at the time, you know, it was the 80s. Mm. Poison, Motley Crue, you know, Van Halen, 
wasp. They were all massive. Well, maybe not wasp in Australia, but um, yeah, no. So that, like all these bands were just played on the radio. So that's what I heard the most. And through that and through my sister, actually, my, my sister was uh, listening to Motley Crue a lot. And like, yeah, they're, they're like one of my favorite bands. They probably are my favorite band, like just not the last 20 years of music they've made, which has been shit. Mm. But, um, but yeah, like, no, so that's, that's, that's how I sort of started out. I started out listening to a lot of glam. So like basically my, my the first couple of bands that like it was Black Sabbath, Motley Crue, Kiss, uh, Van Halen, um, all, you know, that sort of stuff. And then from there, it just got heavier and heavier. Like I heard, trying to think like Slayer, obviously Slayer. I had, I was watching it. It was a, like a, it was a movie. I actually, there was a movie called the river's edge mm. and it's got Keanu Reeves and Crispin Glover in a great movie. And these dudes were just fucking cool. You know, they had the little leather jackets and you know, things like that. And, Slayer was actually playing in the scene in a car and I was like, I had, you know, I had to, back in the day, you didn't have the internet. So I had to fast forward to the end, see who <laughs> that band was and fucking Slayer. And I was like, what is Slayer? So yeah, I went from there, like Slayer. Um, the thing is, I've never liked Metallica. I do not like Metallica. Don't like Metallica. Really do not like Metallica. Uh, basically <laughs> like the singer and the drums, fuck off. But I love Megadeth and I love, you know, Sodom, all that sort of stuff. So it went from it, fully went from glam to thrash and that's what I was listening to and then in the mid 90s I heard um oh geez probably it was like Cannibal Corpse Deicide that's where I started getting into death metal like you know Cannibal Corpse were in Ace Ventura I was like 12, 12 yeah. years old at the time so like death metal was massive like it was just my parents hated it and they're like oh it's just a phase he'll grow out of it you know <laughs> and it was just like yeah but uh you know like what are we doing 30 years later here i am just listening it's uh yeah no it's like one of those things but um like one actually really funny story of my childhood there was a dude that lived down the street from me and total mad dude he was this full metal head dude he had long red hair had like leather jackets, leather pants and all this. And he just had the hottest chicks all the time. Always different women, just always there. And I was like, you know what? One day I'm going to be that guy, you know? And uh, funny enough, that guy is actually a bastardizer fan now. So how, like, he doesn't have long hair anymore. But uh, like, yeah, no, he, he, he found me on Facebook and was like, dude, you're in bastardizer. I was like, holy shit. You know, like it was, uh, yeah, like, like, yeah. But he, uh, he moved to the States, but he lives in Brisbane now. So next time we go up there and play, oh, mate, we're just going to, yeah, chat old times. But I do remember going over to his house and he had all the Iron Maiden posters and all that sort of stuff. And that's how I really got into Judas Priest uh, mm. through him. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically how it started. And then from mid-90s, the whole black metal thing came in and I absolutely loved it. Like, I remember the first black metal album I bought. This is actually a really funny story. I went into the record store because, you know, back then the internet didn't exist. You just had to buy an album because of the yeah. cover. Like, you know, like, you're like, yeah, this is going to be cool, you know. <laughs> and I bought an, an Immortal album for the reason that on the cover they looked like Kiss. And I thought, mm. this band's going to sound like Kiss. <laughs> and I put it in and I was like, what the fuck is that? It was just like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> it was like mad. And I was just like, yeah, this is going to take me a long time to get into. But, um, a few years later, you know, the whole black metal thing came in and I loved it. Yeah, no, I loved it. Like, I'm glad I, uh, I was old enough to skip the whole new metal thing. I, you know, corn, fuck off. 
Like, you know, all that shit. My God. Like fucking disturbed. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I was glad. I was glad I was old enough to just skip that whole thing. Just skip it right there, you know. But, yeah, no, I just, yeah, I love, mate. I love everything. I love glam, death, thrash, black. Yeah, black thrash, you know. Yeah, black death. Yeah. And I mean, uh, what else? Uh, I don't listen to jazz or anything else, you know, like I'm not, I don't like classical. I, I appreciate every other musician. I appreciate all musicians. It's just not mm. my cup of tea. I drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> so how was the metal scene or rock scene back then in Australia? So, yeah. So like we had, you know, a lot of bands didn't actually come to Australia because we're so far away. You know, you right. might have had that problem as well. But, you know, nowadays every band comes because that's the only way they're making money because of the whole internet and everything. But, um, you know, in the 80s, I went and saw, like, my mother, how's this? My mother took my brother and sister to a Poison concert and didn't take me, you mm. know, and 20 years later, I'm the one with the Poison tattoo, you know, like, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> mum. But, uh, but no, like, I, I went and saw, uh, actually, my first concert was a bit embarrassing. Can I tell you what it was? <laughs> what is that? My first concert was Vanilla Rice. Uh, oh! <laughs> I love Vanilla Rice, man. Like, I still do. Like, I still go to see him. I know. I'm a poser. Whatever. You know? <laughs> but, um, you know, like, yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, it's cool. But, like, from there on, like, I saw, uh, like, I, I, I went and saw a lot of bands like Brian Adams because, like, all those kind of bands would come out and I'd go and see them all the time, you know, Bon Jovi, all that sort of stuff. And that was big here. That They were really big. They were playing stadiums. Uh, in 93, I saw uh, Guns N' Roses with Skid Row mm. and Rose Tattoo. Like, and this was Sebastian Bach era Skid Row when they were actually good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and like it was Guns N' Roses, like the Usual Illusion tour. I got to see them, you know. I uh, I saw Ugly Kid Joe back in the day, and wow. then from there on, you know, like Fear Factory came out a lot. Like I saw, I don't know if you're a Fear Factory fan, like in the night, yeah, like Fear Factory, holy shit, like they were just a completely different sound. I was like, this band's going somewhere, but like towards the the, the end of their career, I I wasn't a much of a fan, but like their earlier stuff, mm. amazing, you know, and. When I was uh, when I was like seventeen, I think it was. Uh, do you know the band Strapping Young Lad? Yeah, yeah. So they they did an all ages show. So like I like I went. I had to like drive in. No, I didn't drive because I was seventeen. Like I had to catch training with a mate of mine, and we went and saw um, Strapping Young Lad in this pub. But it was like all ages, so it was in the afternoon. It was just fucking blew my mind. It was massive. <laughs> and then uh, like that week, I'm pretty sure I saw Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, he was at, he played uh, the entertainment center, you know, really big fest, uh, really big venue. And it had Zach Wilde, it was a No More Tears lineup. That was massive. You know, he opened up, he played Bark at the Moon. And it was fucking cool, you know, like, yeah. It's just <laughs> mad. Rad, yeah. Like, I love Black Sabbath, man. I love him. Love Ozzy Osbourne. These later albums, yeah, not too much, but yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's how it is. But like, yeah, we, we have a lot of bands coming here now. A lot of yeah. bands, yeah. I mean, you'd see them because, like, they do the whole Japan, you know, Australia tour. Like, who you get to see, we see a week later, you know. That's, right. that's how it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then I, I remember that uh, Stepping and Lad, you actually met Devin Townsend, right, uh, recently? Yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't actually know he was going to be there. Uh, I went to that music store to buy a microphone. <laughs> and, um, and uh yeah and then like it was like oh wait he's here i'm like well i've got my aviators and uh yeah i got a photo with him 
what an absolute champion of a dude, man. Like, yeah. wow. I don't know if you've ever met him. He is yeah, so yeah, down Yeah, I, I went to his show. I went to his uh, solo show in Singapore and I met him also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's such a nice guy. Like, right. really down to earth. Real. I thought he was going to be crazy, you know. Like, I've met some rock stars that are just complete assholes. I don't know if you've ever met Ingvay Malmsteen. Yes, I did. Holy <laughs> shit, what a dickhead. My God. It was so funny. Like, he actually pissed me off so much that I hit on his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I literally, like, it was like moving down the, moving down the aisle. And he, like, he just, like, I was like, hey, man, you know, big fan. You know, I was a bit fanboying at the time. And he was just like, oh, you want to hurry this up? And I was like, really? Oh, fuck you, man. And then, like, his wife was there. And I was like, is this what he's like? And I just started chatting her up. It was fun. He was getting the shits. But I was like, oh, go eat another donut, Ingvay, you know? <laughs> yeah, because I, I bought, I, I bring the his old album tools, you know, for the signing. He said, uh, yeah. you, you have to buy the new album. <laughs> Something like oh, that. Oh, <laughs> God. It was, was he singing on it? No, thanks, mate. <laughs> Oh no, yeah, no, I've met, I've met, like, I've met Steve Vai, I've met Tommy Lee, like, they're all amazing dudes, but like, holy shit, you know, I've gotten drunk with Buck Cherry, like, it's like, yeah, like, oh, Yngwie Malmsteen will always stick into my mind, it's a complete asshole. but I knew he was an asshole because people have told me this before, Yeah. but uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to be sidetracked there, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a story for sure, yes, I hit on Yngwie Malmsteen's wife. <laughs> So, uh, watching these bands and uh, listening to this music, how did uh, the idea came to you to start the band or you want to perform? For Bastardizer? Yeah, Bastardizer. Was yeah. it your first band, Bastardizer, or you had an no. earlier band? No, no. So, uh, uh, I, was in, I was in a lot of, like, through, just after high school, I started to learn bass. I was playing bass and uh, mm. I really sucked at it. Like, I was so shit. So shit. And, uh, you know, like, I didn't really take it seriously, which I do regret now and stuff like that. And um, mm. it was just, like, Gene Simmons, Nikki Six, like, they were, like, massive inspirations. And Dave Ellison from Megadeth, massive yeah. inspirations for me. I was like, nah, I'm going to play bass because bass players get the chicks, you know. And, unfortunately, uh, I just sucked. But, uh, you know, like, in after high school, I was in a lot of, like, just jamming with the mates, you know. And a lot of them have gone on to bands, not usually, not metal or anything like that, more like rock and yeah, that sort of thing. But uh, in 2008, I think it was, I played bass for a band called Chapel and we were a black metal band. We were like full corpse paint, you know, like I sucked at bass, the singer knew it, but he was like, nah, dude, I love you. Like, you know, yeah, I want you in the band. I'm like, all right, yeah, sick. And like, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I sucked. And uh, yeah, no, the music was good, but, uh, uh, yeah, I got, uh, I, I, you know, I got fired and I also quit on the same day because I stole the front man's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't going to last long in that band. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, you know, played a show, like I, I, I sucked on stage, but I thought I did it well, but you know, black metal, you, you don't have to be the best, you know, right. <laughs> you can get it like playing bass, especially, you know, I just hide behind, it was two guitarists. And so like, I just hid behind that sort of thing and yeah but then i stole the singer's girlfriend and uh yeah i was fired that day well i was fired the next day and i quit at the same time so that's how that went from there and then uh the next band so about uh what are we talking maybe two years later i was like back to full glam like i was looking fucking 
like like a woman like yeah no like, <laughs> i'd fully shaved all my beard and just like wore so much eyeliner so much makeup and like just in the rock scene again like still listening to metal like i, I listened to everything mm. and um there was a band who had just gotten rid of their singer and they were looking for someone and that you know they thought i looked apart and like the drummer was li- really smashed one night he come up to me and he was just like dude can you sing and i'm like probably not <laughs> and uh and he's like nah man you look like really cool like you know i want you in the band i was like all right so i like went and tried out and it turns out i could sing you know like i uh i went into the rehearsal studio just started singing rock is you know like really clean vocals like things i don't do in bastardizer now and mm. uh you know like it was like i i think i was i went pretty well yeah <laughs> uh yeah so we, we um you know we started writing songs together so I, I i had to start writing lyrics which i'd never done before and uh no songs were about satan back then you know it was all <laughs> it's all about women yeah. and uh partying and just drinking doing drugs you know all the, all the rock you know all the rock crap and um from there on uh that band we all we all decided to go to separate you know just to break up and so we, we never toured overseas or anything um but like we thought we were rock stars and you know I, I yeah i just yeah it was whatever you know and then uh from there on uh so bill you know from bastardizer he would always come to that band shows he mm. and i got along really well and uh we were just like mates you know and then after like i knew he was a guitarist so i knew he was in playing in a couple of bands and stuff like that and then after that band had fought, like unfolded i was at a party in the backyard with bill and I literally looked at him and I was like, man, I don't have a band at the moment. He's like, dude, I want to start a band. And so that's how it pretty much started. I didn't mean to sound like him then, you know, Boo. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, no. So like we, we got the idea. And at the time I had a drummer that was really keen on doing something with me as well. And he was a total thrash drummer. Mm. And from, from there on, we were just like, we did not know how we were going to sound at all. Like what, what was this band going to be? Cause you know, Bill also loves rock and he loves metal and he loves, he loves everything, you know? And, um, and the drummer was the same, like, as, you know, as much as he loved, you know, Sodom and all them, he loved Def Leppard. Like, you know, it was just one of those things. And it's like how, you know, we didn't know what we were going to sound like, but at the time we all loved black thrash. We were like, mm. yeah, this is a really cool genre. You know, maybe we could explore it. So, we went into the rehearsal studio and all we did was covers. We were covering at the time ACDC, Wasp, uh, Dark Throne, you know, like really just random shit. Like, and, uh, and it just turned out like, I'm pretty sure after the second rehearsal that we did together, just playing covers, we actually wrote a song. Mm. And that song apparently, like that song still to this day hasn't shown its light because it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it might be on the next album, who knows? It was terrible, but... Uh, yeah, no, so from there on, we were just like, I think we've got a band. And uh, yeah, so Bill came up with the name, Bastardizer. I don't know if you know how the story, how he came up with that name. No. Uh, he, was looking, he was looking at his record collection and he was looking in the Motorhead section. Sorry, that Motorhead was like another band that we were like massively into and stuff like that. Right. And he, he put two Motorhead albums together, which was Bastards and Motorizer. Mm. Boom. Okay. bastardizer <laughs> yeah so that's uh yeah and like obviously it fit and uh yeah and that's how it, that's how we roll and like us three just started bastardizer and bill was playing bass on the first demo i wish i could you know i really wish i really wish i took it seriously because me playing bass in this band would have been sick but now we've got matt who's just the best you know like yeah so like it's yeah so 
Bill and I started it, uh, that drummer. Uh, so we got a bass player eventually to play shows because like we were in a lot of demand after that demo. After that demo that we released, which was called Demons Un- uh, Demos Unleashed, actually. It was called mm. Demos Unleashed. Um, we put it out and within a week, we got a, a record label from Germany saying, hey guys, you know, like love your demo, want to release an album. And we'd never played a show, you know, like we were just like, oh, holy shit, you know, like, so that's the problem with Enforcers of Evil. We had to write it so quick. Right. And, but to this day, like people still love it, you know, but it was all written so quick, so fast. And uh, yeah, so, uh, so we started the band. So that was, it was uh, New Year's of 2012 going into 2013. That's when we started the band, when we got the idea. And then we were rehearsing by January. Then by September, we were recording that album. Like, it's, you know, like crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. So what was, the fir- what, what was the first song you recorded on this uh, or, or re- uh, write on the Enforcers of Evil? Do you remember? So for the demo, there was three songs. I think it was uh, Bathory and... L- I'm pretty sure Bathory and Lust... Oh, maybe it was bitch. Uh, what is it? Bastards, bullets, bitches, Legend. and beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was either that or Bathory and Lust. But Bill, yeah, Bill will know because Bill knows everything. He's crazy. Like he knows everything. So, but I'm pretty sure Bathory and Lust or Bastards, Bullets, Bitches, and Beer was the first song we ever wrote that you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this. Uh, I was listening to it actually recently again. This album, the this one. So there it is. Yeah. So, what is the what is the story behind this bareback in Brazil? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, bareback! All right. Uh, oh man, what is that? What is that story? Who wrote those lyrics? Uh, fortunately, it was me. Um, I can't even tell you the story. I thought it was hilarious. You know, <laughs> there's uh, there's so many meanings. Like it's I I, I mean we haven't played that song since. 2014 2015 so like, i don't even remember the lyrics like it's uh pretty funny but i should i should really just sit down and listen to that i mean i'm sure my fiance loves that song you know <laughs> you know yeah so um it's one of those things yeah man like holy shit I, like yeah just you saying the name i was like wow that song how cool is that did you request that at the philippines i think <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone screamed that out, and I was like, "Holy shit!" They're like Bill and I looked at each other, and then we looked at the other dudes. We're like, "Those guys don't know that song at all." <laughs> because in the album, it's like bareback in Brazil, and then Baphomet's Bukake, right? <laughs> I let's just say I think Bill and I were drunk when we wrote that song. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was just, yeah, you know, having a bit of fun, I suppose, you know. But to this day, like, we still play off that album, you know. We, we brought back World War Three, and we, we mm. started playing that again because a lot of people are calling out for that. But um, Bathory and Lust will never stop playing, you know. That's a great song. And uh, we usually open with Bastards, Bullets, Bitches and Beer. Like, I hate that song, but, like, the guys love it and the crowd mm. loves it, so... Yeah, I just bite my tongue and sing it, you know. <laughs> it's one of those things. One of those things. So what was your first overseas show? First first ever show? Yeah. First ever show. So the first ever show we ever played was at the Valve Bar, but it was a different Valve Bar. 
So that valve bar actually moved uh, where you were mm. in the city. It was, it was out in Tempe, which was like maybe about 15 minutes down the road. And it was such a nice venue. It was so much better. Oh my God, it was amazing. So the reason, so the way that we started that lineup, we had a show booked on a Saturday night, right? And this was with the, the headlining band was called Bane of Isseldor. And actually the bass player in that band ended up joining Bastardizer for a little bit, who you would have met. No, no, you wouldn't have. No, no. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we had a bass called, uh, the bass player's name was Ray. And uh, his band, Bane of Isseldor, uh, where we where we rehearsed, the front man uh, owned that studio. So he was like, oh, like, we need an opening band. Do you guys want to play it? So we were like, oh, sure. Like, you know, we want to get our name out there. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, like, when that happened, it was all like, yeah, we're going to play it, we're going to play it, we're going to play that show. Then all of a sudden, uh, a friend of ours band from Canberra, they're called Hellbringer. They're pretty well known to this day. Mm. They hit us up and were like, oh, do you guys want to play on this Friday night? And so we're like, oh, we're already playing our first show on the Saturday night. So we hit up the Bros and we ended up playing two shows. So we played on Friday and the Saturday. And uh, actually the second show was at the Agincourt Hotel, which turned out to be the Valve Bar where we met you. Right. So there you go. Yep. <laughs> so uh, what was your first overseas show? Which country did you go first? First overseas show was the Enforcers of Evil Tour. We went to New Zealand, our brothers. Our, our next door neighbors. Right. Uh, so how did that happen? So that's when we had a pretty much full steady lineup. We still had the original drummer mm. and we had Ray on bass and uh, we got hit up by a band called Bulletville. Mm. And they're a, they're a, uh, well, how would you, I, I'd say they were black thrash. Yeah. Not speed, but um, black thrash for sure. Uh, they hit us up and they were like, Hey guys, you know, we want, we want you to come to New Zealand having another beer sorry bro uh you know we you know we uh we want you to come to new zealand you know you guys are we were making a name for ourselves and stuff like that and um yeah so like i mean just to sidetrack from that our third show we actually and our third show ever was with a band uh havoc from where the hell are they from somewhere they're international bands and uh yeah. so like by the third yeah by the third show we were playing with an international band. So that was pretty cool. You know? <clears throat> and uh, that year we ended up playing with Morbid Angel. Uh, man. Toxic Holocaust. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the whole like, the Toxic Holocaust thing was, was crazy. Um, the promoter put out, you know, Toxic Holocaust uh, coming to Australia. Then all these people just started saying, bastardize has to support, bastardize, 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 you know. And, you know, us being massive Toxic Holocaust fans and Joel even recorded every, you know, he mixed and mastered everything we did. Um, it was always going to be a given that we were going to play that show. But like, you know, with all that, like all these band, like all these people overseas were seeing the name Bastardizer, Bastardizer. And this is how our New Zealand tour actually uh, turned out. So the Bullet Belt guys were a part of the New Zealand leg of the Toxic Holocaust thing. Right. And they just thought, why are these people just keep saying bastardizer? Holy shit, we've got to check this band out. And uh, yeah, they checked us out and they hit us up, you know, oh, you guys got to come over. And it was cool. Like we went over there and holy shit, dude, we went to this uh, venue called Valhalla. Now the guy that owned Valve that you knew ran the Valhalla in New Zealand back in the day, you know, and it was wow. a cool venue. It looked like a pirate ship inside. Like it was just mad. Like it was cool. 
And the, the scariest, like the funniest thing was like, we went to the jukebox, you know, to put some money in and our Enforcers of Evil album was in the jukebox. Wow. Like, where does that ever, you know? <laughs> That's massive for us. Like, that was like, holy shit. Like, we all just wanted to have sex with that jukebox machine, you know? <laughs> it was crazy. Like, yeah, just to see our album in there, man. Like, it was, uh, yeah. And like, the shows were so well done. Like, the crowds were crazy. And unfortunately, we haven't even been back there since. But we will. Yeah, we will. But yeah, it was great. Like, I have family over there. So they ended up rocking up, you know, and uh, no, none of my family back here in, in, in Australia have ever come to a bastardized show because, you know, they're a bit religious and stuff like that. That's cool, whatever. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, so that's, that's, yeah, so they were, they were down in front, you know, headbanging away in New Zealand. And yeah, so New Zealand was our first international tour. Right. Where did and I remember that uh, you guys put out this split with the uh, bullet bell, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, how stupid of me. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, we did. Yes, uh, so after Enforces of Evil, we, you know, we got a lot of demand, and a, a record label hit us up, and they were like, Oh, look, do you guys know Whip Striker from Brazil? And we, and I'm a massive Whip Striker fan, I was like, Yeah, dude, and like, and uh. They were like, they want to do a split with you. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, like, this is awesome. Yeah, so uh, that turned into a 10-inch, which, uh, you know, it's called Strike of the Bastard. Bastard. You don't own it. I saw the photo. <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, so that's how that that turned out. And then after that tour, we hit, uh, sorry, after that album, or split, whatever you want to call it, we went to Southeast Asia for the first time. Mm. Which was, give me, hang on, just think, let me test the memories here. We are Thailand, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Indonesia. Singapore? Yes, and Singapore, of course. Did you go to that show? No, 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 I didn't. But my friend friend who went to the show with me, he was there actually. He told me that he was. Awesome. That was a good show in Singapore. I remember that one. Yeah, we were playing with a... Uh, Japanese punk band called Life. Yeah, it was, yeah, good show, good show. Mm. Yes, and I think that was the only places we played then. Yeah, so that was that. And then uh, after Southeast Asia, we recorded Dawn of Domination. But before that came out, I'm pretty sure we toured Europe, Eastern Europe. And we did, oh God, here we go. Ukraine. Mm. Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, Estonia, and four shows in Russia, you know, and that's like, to me, Russia is just growing up. I don't know if you've ever seen Rocky four, but like yeah. that is like one of my favorite fucking movies. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? One day, one day I want to go to Russia. And the fact that I played four shows there, like, holy shit. Yeah. Tick that one off. Yeah. That was awesome. And then, yeah, after that, Dawn of Domination came out. And, uh, yeah, no, we've, we've played with a lot of international bands now back in, back in Australia. And, uh, yeah, no, it was good. Like, we toured Europe. Europe was amazing. We played with a, a band from Canada called Skullfist. And they were just absolute legends. Holy shit. Like, they are uh, a big fan. Like, I've been a big fan of Skullfist for a long time. And, like, just going in a bus with them. And, like, we ended up, like getting even drunker than they were they did not know what to expect when they hung out with australians you know like these canadians were all like yeah no we're gonna drink and stuff but then they met us and it was like next level you know like one night i woke up in a bed with uh i think my drummer at the time 
and the singer of Skullfist was passed out on my floor. Like you can't, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, it was fucking, <laughs> it was mad. It was, it was mental, you know, like it was just uh, insanity. Yeah. Good tour. Good tour. A lot of, a lot of shit went down. Yeah. <laughs> so how's the but fans? We, you know, we never got, we never got kicked out of Russia. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> so how's the fans in Russia com- like uh, compared to Australian oh, fans? Oh, oh <laughs> mate. So the, oh, <laughs> So in East, like in, in Europe, the fans loved us, man. Like, I've got to tell you, in, U- in the Ukraine, when we played there, that was our first show of the Eastern European tour. And we had a bass player from America who we'd never met. How crazy is that? Like, he went and learned our songs. Massive fan of the band. Like, we just knew him from the internet. And he ended up rocking up and playing bass for us. It was amazing, you know? Wow. And, um... So we played the Ukraine first night. It was, holy shit, it was amazing. But the funniest thing was, like, we played this massive venue and down the street was Eurovision that exact same night. Like, wow. so the town, the town was just, it was party, you know, it was party zone. Like, it was party central and it was just, yeah, everyone got drunk and, yeah, one of those, yeah. yeah it was one of those things. But, uh, yeah, everywhere we played in Europe, the, the crowds loved us. Like, they, they went nuts. Like, in Russia, the, we played in uh, Moscow. And uh, holy shit, there were dudes, like, on stage, literally giving me bottles of vodka to drink during the show. Like, I'm literally drinking a bottle of vodka. I can't even do that at home, you know? Like, it's just, it was mental. But, like, you just go, you go on tour and you get, you're in a mindset that's just like, yeah, people just jumping off the stage. I, even I stage dived like it was just something I don't normally do you know you know when we play in Australia it's the same sort of crowds you know they they go wild but not as wild as Russia and stuff like that and right. yeah like it was it was crazy crazy and uh, in the Ukraine how's this there was a guy in a wheelchair who actually got lifted up and he crowd surfed in his wheelchair you know? <laughs> like I literally like you know I can't see much because I wear aviators on stage and I'm just like holy shit, there's a dude in a wheelchair facing me, you know, like mental, absolutely mental. Like, yeah. So yeah, we will definitely go back to Eastern Europe for sure. For sure. Yeah. So how is it like, you know, being able to open for like Morbid Angel, Coroner or Destroyer 666? What's your your personal (laughs) feeling about able to play open for these guys? Yep. So, mate, you've done your homework there. You've, you've seen who we've played with. You, you were just naming names that I've even forgotten about. Uh, mate, Morbid Angel, holy shit. Like, I started, oh, man, I was a Morbid Angel fan probably about 1992, around, around Altars of Madness, you know? Like, they were just next-level death metal to me. It was just, like, Dave Vincent's vocals and all that sort of stuff. Like, great band. And then, like, when we got the opportunity to do that, I got, you know, we got to play a great a great venue here in Sydney called the Metro. Mm. And it's the only time we've played it because it's just so big, you know, like a lot of metal bands can't fit in there and whatever. And it was just an amazing show. And then, you know, we got to take Morbid Angel out and get drunk with them in Newtown afterwards. Like it was just amazing. You know, it was, yeah, one of those things that was just mad. Yeah, like we took them to our local pub (laughs) where we get drunk every Saturday night until four in the morning when they kick us out. And yeah, we were just drinking there with Morbid Angel. Like, how good is that? It's pretty, like, good. And, uh, yeah, so we, like, we played with Destroyer 666, who are actually, like, massive bastardizer fans. And uh, Coroner, they were really nice. Like, totally didn't dig us, you know, because they were just way different kind of band. But that was awesome as well. Like, I don't care. Yeah, it was all good. Um, 
I'm trying to think who else we played with. Who else? You've got it there on a list, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> let me think. Let me think. Tribulation? We are. Oh, we, yeah, we opened for Tribulation as well. Yes. Oh, who else you, did we play with? You already mentioned Skullfist. Skullfist. Uh, uh, Balsa also, right? Who's that? Oh, Bolza. Yeah, Bolza. Yeah, so the whole Bolza thing. So Destroyer 666 ended up getting banned from Australia, even though they are Australian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Um, so, yeah, Bolza took us on and we'll just... Yeah, no, they were absolute, they, absolute champions. Like, did they come to Asia as well? Um, I, I don't remember, actually. I don't think they did. I think... Uh, yeah, I don't think they... I'm pretty sure they went to Europe afterwards. I remember them telling, saying some of that. But, um, yeah, Bolza... Also great, like uh, we got a band down here in Australia called Hobbs Angel of Death. You know, massive since the nineties. And uh, Pete Hobbs, he's you know he took us under his wing and he just loved us from the day you know from the start. And unfortunately, he passed away last year, and it was like a massive blow to us. And uh, yeah, like we ended up playing the last show that he ever did. So that's you know kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like you know we we've been playing with like a lot of international bands, and I'm. You know, like we've already got, uh, so we're playing with uh, Abigail from Japan, hopefully in December, or we'll see. I'm sure it might get postponed and whatever because of international yeah. travel. But we're also playing with uh, David Ellison and Chris Poland from Megadeth. Wow. Uh, so that's next year. It was going to be this year, I think. But uh, yeah, no, it'll be next year. And they're just doing Megadeth songs <laughs> all night. That, now, mate, to me, that's like huge, man. Megadeth. <laughs> Megadeth to me, man, like, holy shit, yeah. Like, everyone loves Metallica. I loved Megadeth, you know. Like, I was always, the, you know, the Dave Mustaine side. Like, growing yeah. up, yeah, Megadeth were just massive inspiration for me, you know. It's like, that's like me for opening for Judas Priest, man. Like, it's just, it's going to be a great night. It's going to be a great night, yeah. Just to hear yeah. Megadeth songs and, you know, maybe he might ask me to come up and sing one. That'd be fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually... Uh, Megadeth is actually my favorite ba band also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I prefer Megadeth over Metallica. Oh, you're a good man, mate. You're a good. <laughs> <laughs> what's your uh, What's your favorite Megadeth album? Trust in Peace, of course, and then Countdown to Extinction. <laughs> ah, mine's uh, Peace Sells, but Who's Buying? Is my yeah. favorite. And then following that, Cryptic Writings, and everyone gives me shit for it, but I fucking <laughs> love it. I love it. I love cryptic writings. I don't care what anyone says. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah. Also, Euthanasia is really nice album. Huh? Euthanasia. Yeah, dude. Yeah. No. Like I like I liked how they sort of yeah. Like a lot of fans gave up uh, gave up on them after Countdown, you know. And mm. and I no, I never did. Like I sort of gave up. I actually did give up on them when after Dave fired Dave. Like it was like, come on, dude. Like you know, you two are <laughs> Megadeth. Like. That's like, you know, that's like Bill firing me or like me firing Bill. It's not going to happen, man. Like, right, <laughs> it's like, right. you need the two guys. Like, it's like, yeah, it's just, that's just how it is, you know? Like, actually, like, it's really funny that me and Bill, you know, the two original members, we always refer to ourselves as the Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley of Bastardizer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, you know, we've had a lot of other musicians come into the band, but the fact that we've got Matt and George now who are the best, like you've heard the new songs yeah mate yeah like we're like going heavier like yeah it's just it's one of those things mate we like i call it bestidizer because this is the best lineup of, <laughs> <laughs> this is the best lineup of bastardizer and i hope no one leaves because 
we're having too much fun. And uh, yeah, you saw us on tour. Like, we, we, you know, we're all good mates. We're all great. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned about Morbid Angel. Did you like the album they released, uh, the, this IDI, Elude Divinium <laughs> Insanus? Did you? Did you? <laughs> I do actually have that album. I, I, I mean, I didn't really hate it, but uh, I do have it. <laughs> yeah, yep. I actually like three songs off it. I think they're really good. Like, right. But, my God, they took a, a massive, they, they took a massive gamble. And it didn't pay off, but like, as far as Morbid Angel is, when they had that other singer who they have now, I'm not into it. Like, I just think Dave, it's Dave Vincent or nothing for me. Like, right. it's just, yeah, he's got to be the singer or nothing. And unfortunately, you know, he does like a lot of industrial stuff. And um, after meeting him and hanging with the other dudes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, you guys put out the... I. The last album was two, 2018, right? Dawn, uh, Dawn of the, uh, Damnation. So, yeah, 2018 sounds Dawn of Domination. Which I bought all, all the versions of that. <laughs> yes. Oh, look at that. You got more than I do. <laughs> yeah. So, can you tell me about creating this record or writing this record? For sure. Yep, for sure. So, uh, that was so when George came into the band. So we had we had two drummers prior to George, and um, you know the first drummer left, and uh, then we had a second drummer, really good friend of ours, and he uh, I don't know he just wasn't vibing it. it. Just he you know he was always busy and he had stuff like he was in another band and stuff like that. And he's just I don't know he's like a really good friend of mine. You know like no bad feelings whatsoever. And uh, so we, we we knew we knew his time was coming to an end, and uh, he did too. You know. So, uh, like, we, I knew, I've known George. George, George is pretty much the only metal drummer in Sydney now. Like, he is in every band. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, like it's, a, it's actually a running joke. Like, the only drummer in Sydney is George. Right. And I've known, I've known George for years. Like, he came, to, I think, to the first bass that I was the show. He came and saw my glam band from back in the day. And, like, he thought we were faggots and, you know, poses and whatnot and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it's like... Yeah, no, so like, George, like I hit George up, it was me and I was just like, you know, like, because I said to Bill, I was like, we got to get it, you know, you know, we, we need a new drummer and stuff like that. And um, we were just like, yeah, who are we going to get? And like, we picked up Alex who played bass on that album. Uh, Alex was a friend of Bill's and a friend of mine. And we, uh, he's a big guitar, like he, he, he shreds on guitar, holy shit. So like, we, we didn't really want to say, hey man, you want to join Bastardizer but play bass, you know, <laughs> it was like, one of those things, but he was just like, yeah, dude, I'll do it. And I was like, oh, cool, you know? So it was awesome having him in and we brought him in. And then when we were looking for a drummer, we, we hit up George. Like I thought, ah, oh, George is going to be too busy because he's in 20,000 bands. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, George, you know, bastardizing needs a drummer. And he's like, yeah, I'm there. So I was like, holy shit. So he like ended up learning some of our songs. And the first night we rehearsed with George, we ended up writing a track. Like that's pretty cool. Um, I can't remember what track that was, but it was definitely on Dawn of Domination. Uh, what was the first song we wrote with George? Nah, can't think of it. Yeah, but it was definitely on Dawn of Domination. It was definitely the one, the album that you're holding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, if you can rehearse with a guy and write a song that exact same night, you know, you've definitely got a formula going, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, so that's how that turned out. And uh, yeah, so we had Alex, who was, as I told you, a guitarist. So he was bringing a lot of songwriting into it as well, and which was great for Bill, you know, like to have someone else, you know, throw their ideas in. And George, wow, he just spoke up and was like, no, nah, I want it this way. I want it that way. You know, I want my drums to sound like a rat. You know, <laughs> it was just like, it was one of those things. It was like, it was fantastic. Like George loves glam as well. Like I'll put it out there, man. He's a massive glam fan. We all are. Um, and so with Alex in the band, it was, the songwriting was going really well. And so we ended up smashing a lot of those songs together, putting it together. We had a few labels hit us up, you know, they wanted to, re they wanted to release that. And then a lot of the albums that I was listening to were released by Evil Spells Records. And, uh, yeah, so I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try and hit them up and just go, hey guys, you know, we've got an album. Here's some songs we did record, you know, prior. And they loved it and were like, yeah, let's do it. And it was just one of those things. And it was, it was really hard to work with that label, unfortunately. Like it was like, they did everything great. It was just, everything was just delayed. Like trying to, like it took them two weeks to respond to an email, you know, it was just really frustrating, but we ended up recording it and it was all good. And uh, yeah, like it came out and yeah, you've heard it and it's great. Yeah. And I, I mean, they were like, there were a lot of great songs there, right? Like uh, up, up the ante, and then mm -hmm. whiskey till death. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like yeah. that one. Mid, uh, you yeah. know, midnight. In very, May. very. That's yeah. that's our tribute to Lemmy. That the uh, that was written around as soon as Lemmy died. Like when Lemmy died, that was a massive blow to us because, like, the fact that like Bill, Alex, and I actually were in a Motorhead tribute. We did this tribute thing, and it was like never going to be a cover band, but we. We only ended up playing three shows and they were all really well received. Like it was just a tribute to Lemmy. Like it was like, and there was so many vocalists. There was like maybe four vocalists. I was just a special guest. And like those dudes just like learned so many of the songs and like, that's, yeah, it was great. It was great when it was, yeah, that's, but like Bill and I looked at each other and we're like, we got to write a song with, you know, about Lemmy and Whiskey Till Death. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and then this this uh the band photo was so cool huh? <laughs> you like that one yeah, yeah. <laughs> my god i'm so fat in that <laughs> but i know yeah no I've, I've lost a lot of weight thank god i call that fat album <laughs> <laughs> actually nah, george uh, there's this other band from australia from sydney i think is also uh i met the band here and he's one of the cousins or relatives of george the dreamers crime. Ah, oh, Mr. Pete, Mr. Yeah. Pete. Yeah, Mr. mate. I was mate. I was talking to him this morning about wrestling. How? <laughs> we'll yeah, get, yeah, we'll yeah. get to that later. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, like uh, yes. Okay, so tell me how you, how did you meet Dreamers Crime? So Dreamers Crime, they they played here a couple of shows, and then I'm I'm involved with the radio show before, right? So I was. Uh, sure. Yeah. So he, they were one of the guests. And then uh, I went to their show uh, when they played here. And then they came back again, I think, in 2018 or 19. Uh, 2018, yes. I think they came back for another tour. They so, did. yeah, so they were kind of, uh, you know, uh, they were staying in this apartment and stuff for the tour. like play. So I asked them, why don't I treat you guys for dinner or something? Let's go out. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, so I, I went with the band, you know, just uh, treat them for a Filipino lunch. Actually, it was like a lunch and dinner in between. Cool. So, yeah, cool. 
Yeah, and then I've been supporting them a lot also, those guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 cool. So, like, yeah, so, so this morning, like, he was messaging me and uh, we, he, he ended up calling because he's really good friend. He's, like, my fiancé's best friend. That's how we know each other. And mm. because they're all Greek, they only went to one school in Australia, you know. There's only one Greek school in Australia, <laughs> in <laughs> Sydney at least. And they, so everyone knows each other. George went to that school and... Um, yeah, so that's how that happened. But like he messaged, like he was he was calling me. We was, I was talking to him this morning, and I told him I'm doing this podcast thing today with Channer. He's like, mate, tell him I said hello. And <laughs> yeah, to this day, like Bastardizer and Dreams Crime have never played a show together. Like that would be uh, kind of crazy, but um, a good story. George actually played drums for Dreamers Crime for maybe two shows or something back in the day, like way back when George was like 18 or 19 or something like that. Yeah, so there you go. There's a bit of a bastardizing history. Yeah, I think they, I think you, they, you should do a documentary of George, right? Of all the bands he played. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should. I think we should. Yeah, no. So like at the moment, he's in, um, uh, off the top of my head, he's in a band called Livewire. Yeah, they've just they were they were they were always known as Fenrir. Uh, they changed their name to Livewire. Even I told them like I told them to call themselves Thrash Gordon, but they never did. But uh, you know, like it was like yeah, it was yeah no, they're they're, they're kicking ass and playing speed metal, man. It's like because we don't have many speed metal bands in in Australia. It's not a big thing. So they you know they're taking off and they're they're doing well. They're, like the whole Fenrir thing, they 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 were very uh, what's the word like Viking. Like their singer played flute back in the day and it was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like it was like, fucking hell, he's playing a flute. Like, <laughs> but the music was killer and then all of a sudden he'd bring out a flute and all of us metal dudes are like, oh, what the fuck is that? But it was different. But uh, they've completely lost that image and the bass player, uh, Nick, is now singing and uh, yeah, like they're just full speed metal. Like speed metal. Was, yeah, so yeah, that that, that is George's uh, number one band, you know, like that's, yeah, that's his thing and like, you know, mm. yeah, like, he, well, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say us, yeah, we're, we're both on the same level but uh, he's, in, he's in another band called, um, oh God, what are they called? Some black metal band but he's na his name in the band is Nocturnal Cunt Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even I can't even remember the name of the band. He's gonna kill me for this. But uh yeah, no, it's definitely definitely what like very, very crazy, very crazy. Like just Yeah. Dunno. So Chris, you play also another band, right? Heath and Spawn? Uh no, no. So I, I left that band maybe about a year ago. Oh, okay. But we can but we can definitely talk about them. Yeah, so I uh there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of downtime in Bastardizer, and uh, I had a lot of free time in like on my hands, and uh, that was when we had the drummer that was very busy, you know. So it was just like, well, I got some time, and you know, like this band that I knew, like all my mates, you know, all my mates were in the band. They 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 were they were sort of like a I'm trying to think of the sound. It was like a a doomy swampy rock kind of thing, and they were called Swamp Harlot. Mm. And they ended up getting rid of a couple of members because they had like three guitarists, like two of them were girl, like two females, and they ended up getting one of getting rid of one of them, and they wanted to like start a different sound, and like they were just like, oh, you know, we're putting out feelers for singers and stuff like that, and I was like, well, I got some time on my hands, you know, like, I was just at the time I did have some time on my hands, mm. and um, so I was like, well, I'll 
give it a shot, you know, and, you know, I didn't really, you know, I didn't like mention it to bastardize or anything. This, is always, this was always going to be a side project. It was never going to get in the way or anything like that. You know, like it was never, it was just something that I could do, you know, I just, yeah. And it's, it's always good to explore, I think, you know, to change it up a bit. And um, so, yeah, so I went down, like I heard what they were playing and it was just like completely different to what they had. Like I was like, wow, this is different. Like it was, Melodic death metal, like, I love death metal more, but, like, melodic, yeah, you know, like, it was just, I can't do clean vocals. I was never going to do clean vocals. But, um, you know, so, like, they played me the songs, and so they, they you know, they said, here's a song. You want to go write some lyrics to it? And that's how that came about. And mm. so I ended up writing some lyrics, and it ended up turning into, a like, a full death. I didn't even know I could sing death metal, you know? Like, it was just, like this is cool. Like it's very, very melodic, but, um, it was just one of those things. Anyway, and I ended up joining, and I ended up joining the band. Like they were like, yeah, you want to do it full time? And I was like, well, do you want to join? And I was like, yeah, sure. And the good thing with that band was, uh, I think we were together for like maybe about a year before we even played a show. So like it was, I was not like cutting into bastardizers touring or anything like that. Like I just, I had the time. It was fine. And we just worked on songs. We just played the songs so many, like so many times just to get them good, you know? And then it, it turned out we like started getting a lot of demand. Like so we put it, we put an EP out. Like, well, sorry, we put a song out, you know, and a lot of people were loving it. And they're like, Oh, you want to play a live show? So we were like, okay, you know, we should probably start doing that. Right. And um, it was, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the image, like what I look like in the band. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so basically, you know, all the, all those guys were normal, but uh, I, I was wearing a hood and covering my face. Like, and okay. the reason for that, the reason for that was like I just didn't want to go on stage and then have everyone say, "Oh, it's the singer of Bastardizer," and sort of you know bring up the name. Right. So I just wore I wore a hood, called myself a, a different name. I think I was going by the name of Christian, which was just hilarious because <laughs> all the all the lyrics were like we had songs like the Vatican burns and like, you know, it was just like, I'm going to name myself Christian. That's not even my name, you know? Like, uh, so like, that's, that's how that was. And uh, yeah, so I put a hood on me and like, I started just doing it. Like I just started getting really, really deep, like death metal vocals going on at the time. And, and it was really funny. Like the recording process for that, we went in and recorded an EP for a label, you know, that we're going to release us from Mexico. And we recorded with Matt from Bastardizer. Well, he wasn't in Bastardizer at the time, mm. but he, we went to his studio and he had recorded, Matt from Bastardizer recorded my old rock band. Like it's, right. Matt's been around in my life. Matt is a stalker. He, right. has been, <laughs> he has been in my life for like, like ridiculous. And, you know, we went up to Matt and I was like, Matt, we're recording this thing, you know, and all that sort of thing. And he'd not, he'd not even heard the band. And he was like, recording the music and he's like how the hell is chris gonna sing to this because you know he knew me as the rock dude or the singer of bastardizer right and then i came in and just did this full death metal like growls vocals and he was just like dude what the fuck you know like it was just he was shocked he was just like holy shit man you can sing like that and i was like yeah i think i can you know and uh so that was yeah that you know it was it was fun you know while it lasted but um it just it got to the point where um uh, they had they had to go overseas and they played like a really good festival and I just at the time I couldn't do it and so they ended up getting a fill in and uh, like I was just I was at a time in my life where I just couldn't do it like and you know it was just one of those things and they were they were all cool with it like they got a new they they got a singer for it like and they played the show which was awesome for me but like you know just 
their newer material was just getting a bit too melodic for me. And I was just like, I, you know, I'm not getting into it. And I was just, I was just busy with bastardizer in my life, you know, single parent, like one of those things. It was just, yeah. So I, you know, I left the band about a year ago, I think. And uh, I'm not too sure what they're doing now, but um, I, they did play a show in December and they did ask me to come back, which was fine. You know, no problem. I knew the songs. It was fine. <laughs> Uh, so I did play that, I did play that show with no hood, no nothing, you know, like mm. I was me, I was wearing the aviators and Matt from Bastardizer actually was supposed to play bass in that show, but he couldn't. But, uh, so we went, we went on without a bass player, but we had two guitars, so it worked. Right. But, um, I would dare say now that they are definitely trying to find a new singer and all that sort of stuff. And I, I wish them well, but I'm sure they'll do it going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Chris, uh, so you, uh, you had some in, uh, exciting news like a week ago or like, like last week. So because you guys put out this a new split with uh, the band Wraith, right? Yes. So, so can you tell me about this record? This uh, split? I sure can. I sure can. So as of up until last year, you know, before this whole world went to shit, you know, <laughs> um, we... We have been writing. We've been writing for album number three. It was, you know, it's on the cards. It's happening. It's like, and the songs are just so fucking good. Like, you know, and now you've heard two of them, you know, like, um, yeah, like, so we, you know, we've just been doing that. We've been doing that sort of thing. And with Matt in the band, holy shit, man. Like, yeah, like everything's just, everything's just vibing. It's, it's going great. But like, um, so we, we, we've got about, I'd say about maybe six songs like now mm. and it we were like, okay, we're going to record in 2020. We're going to record in 2020. We're going to record in 2020. Cause we were playing shows like crazy last year. And, you know, we played over overseas with you and everything like that. And um, we, you know, 2020 was going to be the out year, the year that we recorded the third album. Then all of a sudden it went to shit. But uh, in back in January, I think, or like late December, we got a, a message on our, Bastardizer Facebook page. How metal is that? Facebook. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was the, from Chris from Wraith. And mate, I have been a Wraith fan since the, uh, like, since the first demo, like since the first EP, just this, I can't even remember how I heard them, but it was just like, this band sound like Toxic Holocaust. So I'm like, fuck, I'm going to check that band out, you know? Right. And I, I was just a massive fan and I bought everything since then. And then all of a sudden, this dude from Wraiths just messaged us and he's like, hey man, just a massive fan of Bastardizer. And I've just like fanboyed out going, holy shit, you know? Didn't even <laughs> think this band even knew who we were. Right. You know? And all of a sudden, like he added me on Facebook and he's just like, dude, like fucking Dawn of Domination is just constantly on rotation at my house. And I was like, holy shit, you know? Like, this is awesome. Yeah, this is great. And I was like, dude, man, like I fucking love the album, Absolute Power the warning ep like just everything and he's just like you want to do a split and that's how it turned out and it's the first release on bone pick records which is actually his label mm. so that's that's how that is and uh yeah so we released this week we just don't have the physical copies because of COVID 19 you know and uh like it's just one of those things so they were just like you know we want to do two songs we want to do two songs and they ended up doing three but didn't tell us but that's cool you know mm -hmm. <laughs> uh you know if, we, if we'd known we would have recorded the third track but that's cool so like yeah so when they hit us up we we talked to the boys you know me and bill we, we were just like which songs do you want to do 
So we chose Mark of the Storm and Erotic Christ, which I know you love. I know you love. Uh, yeah, so uh, so that's, yeah. So like we, we, we went into the studio and like, you know, this time around it's very different because uh, Joel Bryan from Toxic Holocaust has, has mixed and mastered everything we've done in the past. Right. And this time around, you know, Matt stood up and Matt's, a, you know, Matt's got a recording studio and he and he's mixing and mastering bands and he's just like said to us guys is it all right if i do it because i really want to get you know my name out there and, and all that and like we were just like well that's different you know it could be could be good could be bad who knows you know and uh you know so yeah it was different so we so we recorded with matt and you know and the thing is like you've met matt he's the nicest guy but when you're in the recording studio with you holy shit he hammers you and he's like you can do that better you can do that better which is what <laughs> Every band needs. Every band needs that Rob Rock guy in the booth going, nah, you know what? That was shit. Do it, you know, do it again, you know? And that's what we needed. Yeah. And he ended up getting the best of the uh, uh, best out of us. And like I love like I love him to death. And yeah, he, he just he kicked ass in this in this thing. And like no doubt he'll 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 do the next album for sure, you know. Right. It's good to have Matt in the band, that's for sure. <laughs> So Chris, what's your experience? Uh, you, you, I mean, you, you came to Philippines uh, 2018. That was the first time. Yes. So yes. what's your experience, experience like coming to the Philippines? <laughs> okay. So that tour. So, you know, that was Matt's first international tour ever in a band. Like Matt used to play in a band called To The Grave down here and like very uh metalcore like that's that's matt's thing he loves metalcore he also love like that's his thing whatever cool you know we don't listen to it that's cool you know but uh like and he this was his first ever overseas tour so he jumped at the chance you know he's like this is gonna be awesome so we got asked to play where, where did we play we did thailand obviously which all our friends are at you know we love the thailand guys we knew we we're coming back to singapore Laos, I had never even heard of the country before because I sucked in geography at high school. Like, I was terrible. I'm like, Laos, is that a country? <laughs> so I'm Googling, I'm Googling away and it's next to Vietnam, which I have heard of. Like, yeah, I'm pretty embarrassing. Bill fucking hates it. He, doesn't, he just knows my geography is terrible. Like, I didn't even know where I was half the time when I was in Europe. And, um, and uh, yeah, so like, oh my God, the Philippines. So we played... Where did we play first on that tour? That was Singapore. Yes. Our first show was in Singapore, which you were at. And very yeah. early. You, you, you arrive at gigs way too early, my friend. Because <laughs> you're a fan, right? You're a fan. Yeah. No, so, yeah, Singapore. Where the fuck did we play? That venue was insane. Yeah. That was like a... an office building? <laughs> no, it's like a storage, like kind of like a storage uh, place, right? Like, a, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not the weirdest place we played on the on the on the last Southeast Asia tour we did we played in um oh, Bill's gonna kill me it was it was in Indonesia and it was the second show and we played in a university car park <laughs> it was mental like it was fucking insane it was like we're gonna play a car park but there was probably like five hundred people there and it was just insane like it was just and like. <laughs> We, we wanted to get a beer, but in, in Indonesia, like alcohol is very no-no, you know, it's like a very, so like we were in the, we were sitting in this office, I think it was the principal's office, you know, and <laughs> they had to smuggle beer into us like it was drugs, like it was, just like, it was like illegal and just like, oh, we have to do this, but it was like, it was just beer, 
all we were drinking was beer. Like, you know, it was that was insane. So, yeah, we played a car park. We played a fucking car park. <laughs> it's mad. Mental. So, yeah, so, like, obviously, you know, we went to Singapore. We played that. It was, that was, oh, man, that was a, a very crazy venue. That was crazy. You've got yeah. to admit, that was crazy. Uh, who did we play? We played with Gangrene that night, I remember. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, when we walked into that venue, we were like, is this the venue? <laughs> but you were there, so we knew we were there. <laughs> yeah, I, we I, we I were... went to that place. I actually went to a couple of buildings before because I couldn't really find the place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, it was crazy. Like, yeah, we got driven there. We're like, what is this thing? And uh, that, was one of, that was one of those things, mate. We'll, we'll play anywhere. We'll play a toilet. Like, we'll, yeah. <laughs> I remember actually the first Thailand show we played on the first tour uh, for the Strike of the Bastard, it was in an office building. It was in an office-like suite. And, oh, mate, this, this thing was probably the size of the Singapore show that we played with you when you were there. Yeah. But there was probably like 300 people in there and it was just crammed <laughs> crazy. And at one point, like, I'm singing away. I'm wearing a leather jacket. Why do I do that in Southeast Asia? Like, it is, I am just dying of sweat. Like, what the hell? I'm just nuts. And all of a sudden, like, we were just singing along, and suddenly this guy just lifts up a baby. Like, it was literally a baby. Like, I don't know, it was a baby. Maybe it was, like, one or two years old. Had the headphones in, you know, like, to protect its hearing, but it held it, like, in the mosh pit. And I was just like, holy shit. What the hell is that? Like, being a father myself, I was like, that's really bad parenting, but fucking right. cool. <laughs> yeah, like, it was but very bad parenting. It was like, we played this, uh, all, the only ever Australian show we played all ages was in a, a like, a city called Wollongong, which is probably like a, a, an hour and a half out of, of Sydney. And my daughter was in the crowd. Like, this is crazy. Like, my daughter watched Bastardizer for the first time. And you like we had this crazy mosh pit, and then all of a sudden behind that was my daughter just sitting there watching her dad going, "What the hell is my dad doing?" You know. <laughs> I asked her how the show was afterwards, and she's like, "Dad, you swore a lot, and you said the word hell." <laughs> <clears throat> so when, when you played in Philippines, you were surprised yes. by the crowd. Let's talk about let's talk about the Philippines. So. Um, so after Thailand, we played Laos, I'm pretty sure. And Laos, holy shit, there was no alcohol rules. Like everyone was just so drunk. Like it was insane. Like it was just a great country, great country. Then I'm pretty sure we played, we played somewhere else on that tour. Laos, I'm trying to think where we played just before we came to the Philippines. It's going to bug the crap out of me. Oh, well, anyway. So we got on a plane, went to the Philippines, and holy shit. We get to the airport, and there's like 10,000 people in a line. Like, what the fuck is with your customs, mate? Like, it was just, it was insane. And like, you know, when we go to those countries, we've got to pretend we're not in a bed. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, your rules are a bit different to us and, you know, we don't have, you know, always have the legal documentation. <laughs> it's one of those things. But, uh, yeah, so, like, we, you know, all four of us, you know, tie our hair back and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we get up to the customs booth, like, after 20 hours, you know, <laughs> standing in this line and all of a sudden, like, you know, they're just like, oh, you're in a band? We're like, 
no. <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you say? You know, it's just like, uh, no, no, we're not in a band. You know, we're just passing through. You know, that's, that's what you say. Yeah. And uh, we ended up, uh, it's actually funny. So they let us in, thank God. And uh, we got in and, you know, then we stand at the carousel waiting to pick up our instruments, <laughs> which is hilarious. And then everyone's just like, you're in a band? We're like, no, no, we're not in a band. And then all of a sudden Bill grabs a guitar. <laughs> just, yeah, so like after that, we did that. And then uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, what was the promoter's name? Um, he did Dream is Crime as well. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, what? Yeah, whatever that guy's name was. Oh, that's really bad. Uh, can't even think of his name. BJ. BJ. Yeah. BJ. BJ. Right? Yeah, BJ. BJ. Yeah, how could I forget? Great, great name. Uh, so, BJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, BJ, like, yeah, so we, we get to the airport and, like, BJ is all of a sudden, like, an hour, an hour and a half late because the traffic. Like, he warned us. You warned us about the traffic, but we, we had no idea. We, we, didn't know what to expect. We're standing there like it's humid as fuck. And it's just like, you you know, the trap. Oh my God. Like we finally get picked up. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're going to go straight to the venue because it's so far away. And we're like, what? Like we didn't. Yeah. It was just crazy. So I kind of, how far from the airport was that venue? Maybe. Uh, 30 kilometers, maybe 30 kilometers or what? Still at 30 kilometers. Now, to get 30 kilometers in Sydney, you'd probably get there in about 20 minutes. Yeah. In the Philippines, it takes you about 10 hours. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, it took us a long time because, like, we're, we're one of those bands. We want to see every support band. We, we want to stand there mm. in the crowd enjoying every single band. And, like, when we got there... We really wanted to see the band called Steve because that is the best metal name yes. in the world. Like, yeah, Steve? Yeah. How good is that name? And we're like, no, we can't miss Steve. You know, we're going we're gonna to be there for Steve. And uh, so that's, you know, that's how, that's how that went. And um, uh, like, it, it just, oh my God, the traffic, man. Like, oh my God. Like, I thought Australia's traffic was bad. When I, after I got home from the Philippines, I've never complained about Australian <laughs> traffic. Right. Ever again, I can tell you that for sure. Like my, like my, my fiance, she goes to the Philippines for work, like maybe twice a year. And she told me as well, she warned me. She was like, the traffic, if you want to go five minutes down the road to the next office, it's going to take you two hours. Like, it's just <laughs> insane. Yeah. Mm. And then when we were leaving the Philippines, we almost missed our flight home because the traffic was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about that show. So we get there. What time do we arrive? Maybe about oh, nine o'clock or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't end up. We, it was a what a Tuesday night. We didn't even end up going on stage until about two thirty in the morning. <laughs> two thirty on a Wednesday morning, and the fact that you guys were all still there in the crowd that meant so much to us. It was mm. like holy shit! Like in Australia, everyone would have gone home. Like the venue would have closed down. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it would have just gone, what the hell, you know? Like, it was, it was, oh, mate. But that, yeah, that crowd was just insane. Like, and we definitely, we want to go back to the Philippines. And if you could just fix your traffic, that would be amazing. <laughs> or you should just play close to the airport, so, <laughs> you know. We should play Manila. Yeah, I think, I think when we go back there, we'll get a, we'll get a metal promoter and we'll, we'll play Manila, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
we'll do that. Yeah, but I mean, we've had a lot of Philippine uh, promoters hit us up since, and they're like throwing out names like Davo. Davo is a Davo City or something like that. Yeah, no, well, yeah. yeah, like just yeah. So and 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 because Dream is crime, like I because I chat to Pete like regularly. He's told me all the places he's played and everything. He loves the Philippines, you know, like every show was a blast. So we should do that. We just got to get, we've just got to get in a mindset like, holy shit, there's a lot of traffic, but we'll do it. And we will come back. We will. But we'll definitely play Manila. We will. Yeah. So, Chris, you, you mentioned uh, about your daughter and then your, your, so what changed when you became a dad? <laughs> I had to swear. I had to swear a lot less. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, yeah. Like my daughter's everything to me. Like she's just amazing. You've seen the photos. Like yeah. you've seen her in leather. She's cool. She, you know, she listens to today's music. Unfortunately, but that's cool. You know, I've um, I've taken her to a few concerts. We went and saw um, Alice Cooper. She actually enjoyed the stage show. You know, have you been mm. to an Alice Cooper show? You're like you know, all the stuff he does on stage, you know, where he chops his head off and stuff like that. She was like, yeah, this is cool, you know. <laughs> and I took it a Billy, I took it a Billy Idol recently. She loved that. She was like, this is awesome, you know. And uh, the guitar solo she loved. Oops, sorry, man. Um, yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like the guitar solo she loved. And, uh, and then, um, like, when it, it was actually really funny. So, like, Bill and I, we hate drum solo. Like, we hate drum solos. I don't know. You love them. Oh my God. When drum solos happened, it was back in the day when I used to smoke, I would be outside having a smoke. <laughs> right, right. I'd be at the bar ordering a drink. I just like, yeah, drummers are awesome, but holy shit, you really need to play, you know, like, yeah. So yeah, we hate drum solos. And then like we went and saw Billy Idol and they ended up doing a drum solo. And my daughter turned to me and she's like, dad, I don't like this. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, she doesn't really know what bastardizer is. I mean, she knows I'm in a band. She knows it's called Bastardizer and everything like that. But uh, she doesn't care. She doesn't mm -hmm. care at all. Like, you know, like, it's really <laughs> funny. Like, I told her I was doing this today. Like, I said, oh, I'm getting interviewed, you know. And she's just like, why are you doing an interview? And I was like, because I'm really famous, you know, around <laughs> the world. And she's just like, she's like, are you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but it was, actually, it was actually really funny. Like, I was in a, a shopping center food court with her one day. And uh, it was me and her just eating lunch. And this guy came up to me and he's like, holy shit, are you the singer from Bastardizer? And I was just like, uh, yeah. And he's like, dude, can I get a photo and all this shit? And when I'm with my daughter, I don't really like do the right. band thing. Like, I'm just like, oh, it's my daughter, you know? Like, yeah. So like, I ended up getting a photo with him. So I think from that moment, she actually thought that I was someone famous. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you go together with your daughter to watch wrestling also, right? Oh my god! So my daughter absolutely loves wrestling, dude. Like, let's get on the wrestling thing for a second. Like, I have watched wrestling since 1984, WrestleMania one. Right. I've been I've been a fan for a while. Uh, like it was just a thing. Like it was my brother was into it, and when we watched it together, we'd end up wrestling in the lounge room, just slamming the shit out of each other. I don't know if you've ever seen my brother. He's this Fijian black dude and he's huge. And he just like, he could pick me up and like just body slam me on a wooden bed. It was just insane, the stuff we were doing. Right. And uh, he was like, you know, like since then, since the, yeah, like it was just a wrestling. And I thought it was another thing that my parents thought I would grow out of. You know? 
and now I'm about to turn 40 and I still love wrestling. So, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, so yeah, so the story of my daughter liking wrestling. So I was like, you know, I never like force anything onto my child. Like I'll like want her to pick her own path, like, you know, religion, all that sort of thing. Let her choose her own thing. I'm sure you do the same as a father. And, uh, and one of my best mates, he, he is a wrestler in Sydney, you know, and I was just like, oh, he's like, dude, come and come and watch me wrestle this weekend. I'm like, oh, dude, I got my daughter, you know, and he's just like, bring her. And I'm like, oh, she's going to hate this, man. Like, she's going to, like, she was probably three or four at the time. And, uh, oh, I'm just being yelled at by my fiance. She was three. She was three. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was three. And, we, and I was just like, look, darling, I'm going to take you to this thing on Saturday night. You're going to hate it, but this is what your dad loves. And I want to go and see my best mate who's wrestling. And she's like, all right. So, and my, my daughter will go to anything, you know? And uh, so I brought her along and holy shit, man, that night changed. She was just, what is going on? You know, like she was sitting on my lap, just enjoying every little bit of it. And I just thought as a girl, you know, maybe she prefer ballet or something like that but she just sat and watched it and then all of a sudden like it was actually really funny the wrestlers started fighting in the crowd you know when they do that like it was a false count anywhere match and like they they got really close to her and she ended up started crying because she just didn't know you know it was one of those things and you know as a father i'm like no no it's fine alan you know shit jesus you know it's fine (laughs) and then like within six months man we went and saw this hardcore match at a wrestling thing. And my daughter was front row. The dude like put barbed wire on the table and just like, like he put the dude on the table right in front of my daughter, jumped off the top rope, slammed through it. My fiance is screaming going, what the hell is going on? And then I look at my daughter and she's just like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So my daughter really loves hardcore matches now. You know, the whole barbed wire, the thumbtacks, the whole, yeah, so, like, uh, wrestling here is actually quite big, like, the local scene. Mm. It's really hard to watch. The acting is really bad. I'm sure it might be the same in the in the Philippines. Like, right. it's, like, it's like a daytime drama. It's like Days of Our Lives, but, like, with the acting. And then like it's, just, it's uh, yeah, no, it's it's really, like, it, but it's so entertaining. It is great. And the fact that it was on, like, you know, every couple of weeks, I could take it to it. She loved it. She just got into all the characters. And from there on, like her mother, her mum's boyfriend loves wrestling as well. And so she watches it at both houses, you know, like she's, because we're, you know, separate parents, but she watches it and she's just loving it. Like she just, yeah, it's one of those things. And she loves WWE and now she loves AEW, which I love. I don't know. Do you watch AEW? Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my God. How good is AEW, man? (laughs) Like, oh my God. Chris Jericho. I've, have you met Chris Jericho? No, not yet. <laughs> I, I met Chris Jericho. Uh, he came here with Fozzie, who aren't the best band in the world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very good. But uh, it, like the fact that he did a, an in-store signing, I was like, you know, it's Chris Jericho. I've got to meet him and stuff like that. He was a mad dude, like, you know, rad dude. And now, it's, now he, he is just so funny. He is just so entertaining. He is just next level. And like AEW to me is just, very WCW like back in the right. day like like yeah because growing up I was always WWF like from the get-go I was Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior Honky Tonk Man all the old school characters and then all of a sudden that attitude era sort of happened with the G Generation X I sidetracked because I went to WCW because my favorite wrestler of all time is Kevin Nash slash Diesel 
Right. And, uh, you know, he jumped ship. And then the whole NWO thing, that was massive for me. Yeah. Like, Hulk yeah. Hogan turning bad. It was just like, what the fuck? Like, it was just insanity. So, yeah, like, uh, like my, and to this day, like, my daughter and now, you know, my daughter and I now watch pay-per-views together, which is fucking cool, you know? And yeah. every week she comes over, like, you know, I have her on the weekends and she just comes over, we watch AEW, we watch NXT. NXT is amazing to me. NXT, holy shit, the way that Triple H and Shawn Michaels are doing that, mm. fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, a, I was a fan growing up watching wrestling and then, but uh, over the years, I kind of lost interest. Um, and then recently, like a few years back, my son got into wa watching wrestling. And yeah. mostly with YouTube and stuff, then I got him the WWE pay-per-view and stuff. And then he's like, uh, he's like an encyclopedia of wrestling because he knows every, every play, every, you know, every fighter, every details, all the WrestleMania. Like if you ask him who is the winner of this particular championship, he will tell you because he's so crazy. That's awesome. It. Yeah. That's very then, cool. And then we went to WWE Singapore last year together to watch because he yeah. wanted to watch Seth Rollins because he's one of his uh, fans. Like Seth Rollins mm -hmm. is one of his. Uh, mm -hmm. And then last year he's, he he turned ten years old. So I I have friends in the local wrestling uh, circuit here. So we had a show, and then uh, we celebrated the his birthday on the ring. Uh, he had a, like, oh, a wow, yeah, that's awesome! Yeah, he had a show. Uh, Seth Rollins, John Cena, Cake, and then his favorite local wrestler brought it to the stage, and he was so cool about it because he was so happy after that. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Now that's cool. Like, I mean, you know, my daughter gets to meet some of the wrestlers here, and like, it's awesome for her. Like with the whole meet and greet, and the whole like, I'm so against meet and greet. I do not want to pay. For an artist to meet them you know like i would right. rather them hang out at a bar with me you know like let's do it you know and all that sort of thing but it's gotten to the stage where like when wwe comes i might even get her a meet and greet just so she can meet the people you know like and i'll yeah. just yeah i'll swallow my pride and do it one time for her but like with with the with the different wrestling that have come here we have got to meet them but wwe is so expensive here like it's just it's probably like a thousand dollars to meet them you know it's like right it's crazy. Like it's a crazy amount of money just, you know, but I will, I'll, I'll get to, you know, I'll, I'll get to do that with her. And I have promised her for her 10th birthday. So she's eight now for mm. her 10th birthday. I'm going to take her to the U S if we can travel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to take her to WrestleMania and uh, NXT takeover. And then we will do AEW at the same time. So I'll take her to America when she's 10. I have promised her that. <laughs> which will be great you know i mean going to wrestlemania would be a massive thing for me as well like it's just one of those things you got to do right so chris what did you uh did you hear the news that the undertaker retired right yes yes so, uh, how's undertaker to you you you've been a fan of Undertaker. Um, i was never a fan of the undertaker but how how crazy is this i remember his first match i remember his first match when he came in and my brother was just like this guy's cool like it was probably 1989 survivor series or whatever and he's been there ever since and i've never thought bad about him when he when he turned into the dead man inc that that shit was when he came out to limp biscuit i was like oh get fucked like <laughs> i was like no, oh, i'm like the whole keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Oh, fuck. 
it was uh, that was a bit too much for me. But like you know, he was the Ministry of Darkness. It was yeah, like he, he's been around and and like uh, my daughter and I went to the we would travel to Melbourne for the pay per view that happened Super Showdown. Right. I don't know if you watched that on the network. Yeah. But yeah, when, yeah. Seth, when Seth Rollins came down with the shield, you know how they come down? You see him walking down the stairs and then there's me right next to him going, hey! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that, that happened. I'm pretty sure it was Seth Rollins. It, it was Dean Ambrose or, you know, John Moxley or whatever. It was one of them. I'm pretty sure it was Seth Rollins. But, uh, yeah, and like, no, The Undertaker I've got all the respect for because, like, you know, he was always around and he's had some really great matches, like with my favourite Diesel back in the day when it was the casket matches, you know, all that sort right. of thing. And it's, it's probably good that he should retire because that Goldberg versus Undertaker was embarrassing to watch. It was like two old men at the pub like, right. <laughs> struggling through moves. And it's probably about time he does retire. And yeah, it's one of those things. But yeah, no, he's, he's had a great career and all that sort of thing. And yeah, you know, what can you say? <laughs> good man. Yeah. Holy shit, that... that thing that he did recently with aj styles i did not get that at all i was like what the hell is that yeah but yeah. pete pete from dreams crime loved it <laughs> yeah so chris uh, tell everyone what what we can expect from basketizer for the next you know 2020 early 2021 so yeah as soon as we can actually see each other when it's allowed <laughs> um we like I honestly think that Bill is sitting in his studio apartment writing a lot of material. So as soon as the world sort of goes back to some sort of normality, we will like just go, I'm sure we've got so many songs waiting, you know, right there. We're just going to like nail it, just hammer it, just like finish this third album. It's going to be the best thing we've ever done because I mean, you've heard the two songs, you loved them. It's heavier. It's great. Like it's it. it yeah, we're it's going to kick ass. We're, we're definitely going to do the album, and then we're going to tour more. We will come back to Southeast Asia. We'll do everywhere. Like I really want to go to America. I really want to tour America. Like that'd be great. And like we've been talking with Wraith. You know, we're gonna we might get that happening. And yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, Chris, anybody you want to shout out to? Oh, mate, the Filipinos. <laughs> He's crazy, but and Popeyes was it Popeyes chicken? No, uh, what's Jollibee. that place called? Jollibee. 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 Holy <laughs> shit! The staff at Jollibee. That was great. We walked in. We were like celebrities in there. They were just like, who are these white people? Like, who like, <laughs> <laughs> are these long-haired dudes? Like, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, no, like, oh my god, Jollibee! Wow, the chicken was amazing. But what, what's the deal with... You guys have so much chicken everywhere. Like, it's just insane. <laughs> An insane amount. Yeah, so I've really got to put a shout-out to the Filipino fans. But I've got to put a shout-out to the Jollibee staff, the managers that all wanted to photos with us at 2.30 in the morning on a... No, it was even later. It was probably 4 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday morning. It was just insane. Like, yeah, no. But we will definitely come back. We will come back to the Philippines. We will... And it will... And, Mate, the next album is going to be the best advisor. It is. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Chris, uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, you know, I think I talked to you on the internet maybe 2017 or something. That's the first time I think I chat with you, like long, like three years ago. Yeah. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've been always been cool. You've been responding, and you, you you've been you know help. Yeah. So it's very nice that you. You know, you're really talking to the fans. And Thanks, man. Yeah, so uh, 
yeah, keep making music. You know, we'll hopefully see the third album. <laughs> Thanks, man. This is my. Uh, this is actually my first interview without the band or without Bill. So did I do all right? <laughs> yes. yes. So uh, awesome. Yeah, Chris. Uh, tell everyone how how they can reach you. The social media, the band, and yep. Yep. So you can hit us up on uh, Facebook, Bastardizer. Uh, we don't have an Instagram, but we have, uh, you know, Bandcamp. That's where all our music is. You know, we can, you can hit, check it out. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes, everything. Uh, but yeah, just send us a message. If you want to talk to us, we'll, we'll reply within five minutes because Bill's always on his computer for work. And, uh, yeah, like it's, yeah, dude, we're going to fucking rule. Like, it's just crazy. Like the new album's going to fucking rule. <laughs> Yes, I've had a few years. So okay, Chris. So, so take care, man. Stay safe. So you too, mate. See you soon. <laughs> I will see you hopefully next year. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll we'll go to wrestling together. Fuck yeah, we will. <laughs> you gotta take me to Philippine wrestling. Oh sure. <laughs> okay, man. Thank you. Awesome, dude.